All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 89 of the DFO Rundown, the Alex McGilney edition. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, geez, what a busy, this is, the, I can't remember an NHL season this busy with news. From yeah. scandals to firings and hirings to uh, a just out of the blue coaching resignation last week, now to COVID rearing its ugly head again. Like I, I've got my NHLPA COVID gear on, keep a hockey stick away. Like I, I, I thought I could have thrown this stuff out by now. Uh, COVID is here to stay; it's not going anywhere, and we're all just living in it. Yeah, well, uh, let's get into it. And this edition of the uh, the rundown is brought to you by Fan First, fansfirst.ca, where it's fan first all the time. And guess what? Great tickets, no fees. It's a big one. So if you want to see any game, go to fanfirst.ca. And when you're there, you won't pay any additional fees. It's a huge uh, savings for diehard NHL fans looking to get to a game. Now, um, we won't see any cross-border games prior to Christmas. And this actually makes a lot of sense, just simply from a from a human being standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want players uh, you know, quarantining in a hotel room over Christmas time rather than being with their loved ones. And it's to me, it's that just that simple and straightforward as to why they'll do it. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things that the NHL gets wrong, but I think one thing they get right is the way they treat the holidays. First off, the only real major North American pro sport other than baseball, which obviously is in their off season that takes the holidays off 
December 24th to the 26th. You can set your watch to it every year. The holiday roster freeze is already kicked in. Um, you know, players aren't going to be traded. Families aren't going to be away from their loved ones for the holidays. You can have relatives come in. You can go see them. It's one thing they actually get right, I think, in taking a break around the holidays. And in this case, there was lots of trepidation going back a week. Everyone seeing these positive tests pop up and, and also seeing how difficult it is for teams to get players back into their country and not only across the border, but also teams that have players stuck on the other end of the country, players from the Maple Leafs stuck in Vancouver. It's, it's a hot mess right now. And no one wanted to be part of that right before the holidays. Uh, you know, you think of the Carolina Hurricanes visiting the Ottawa Senators on the 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve. You know, no one wants to be stuck on in Ottawa if you play for the Carolina Hurricanes. So, um, you know, just to get these teams and have them stay home, not only that, but I think everyone's curious as to what the new border restrictions might look like that eventually come from both the American and Canadian federal governments. You see uh, Canada changing things up just a little bit uh, in terms of uh, quick trips across the border. They had suspended the idea of getting a, a, a test if you're, if you're, uh, trip is quick. In this case, they said, no, no, now everyone needs a test again. There's probably going to be new regulations that come forward in the new year. And the NHL might have to pivot and adjust a little bit. And I think that's what the league office is bracing for at the moment. What happens if the border is essentially closed again for a while to non-essential travel? Will the NHL get an exemption? Will they be able to continue playing games cross-border? Or will we eventually have to go back to a North division, which I think no one wants to see happen again. Well, it would be very difficult to pivot like that mid-season. Uh, you know, how would uh... they might have to? That that's honestly something that they're talking about right now and preparing for an eventuality where they don't have the option to continue crossing the border freely. Yeah, well, uh, well I know right now, Frank. Um, Wednesday currently, there's no game scheduled in that National Hockey League, but that possibly could change. I know that, like for instance, Edmonton had games against Anaheim, San Jose, and LA this week. They're all canceled. But the NHL is looking to see if some of those teams can possibly play each other. And, and conversely, other teams across different uh, conferences. Um, some players have been told to kind of you know stay where they're at and, and they'll find out if they'll get an extra game, maybe even just one. But they're looking to, to try to reduce the amount of games that are canceled right now. And that makes sense because as you've alluded to before, it's not like, oh, if even if they don't go to the Olympics and it doesn't look like they're going to the Olympics, it's not like there's a massive amount of empty dates in every city for teams to just magically replay all of these games. So they're trying to uh, have to avoid it because there's so much set in stone right now, Frank, like the draft date is locked in. Now you could change it, I guess, but they have a lot of dates after the season that are already locked in that they don't have the runway that they necessarily had last year. Well, they also don't want to extend beyond that. That's like worst case scenario is to extend into the summer again, because their whole goal is to get back to the normal hockey calendar. They got closer to it this season. Uh, it's still a bit late. And then, so it started about a week later than normal. And then you add in the fact that you've got a, a, an almost three week Olympic break. And all of a sudden the season extends uh, almost a month beyond 17, 18 days beyond where it normally would in the regular season. They're playing pretty much clear through the end of April right now, as it stands without having to factor in these makeup dates. So what you're saying makes sense in terms of 
It doesn't reduce the number of games postponed. It's 40 games postponed so far this entire season, 35 in the last seven days since December 13th. And it's just one less game, one open date that's on the calendar for a city that you know has building availability. If you can take one of those games out of the way and say, hey, Edmonton, you know, slide into this spot here. And that would also probably create an opening for Anaheim and whoever else. Uh, to have their home building in use as well. So uh, it makes sense. It's just a complicated matrix. You know, I, I uh, poor Steve Hatsapetros, that's the name of the guy that's the NHL schedule maker. I know he's got a small army of people that work in that office, but that is one complicated mess to, uh, to, to sort out. It's like, you know, it, I can't even imagine all the things happening at the moment building availability, you know, crossing borders, dates, trying to keep teams in, in, in close to geographic proximity when they travel, have the schedule flow make sense. It's insane. I, I, that is one job I would not want. No, I think it would be uh, very difficult. Now let's get to a few teams, Frank. What about the Pittsburgh Penguins, man? They won seven in a row. Now they might not have played great yesterday, but they still won. And they've reeled off seven wins. They still don't have Jenny Malkin. How impressed are you by the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, they're getting really close to getting Malkin back. Uh, he was back in a non uh, a regular jersey. He, he was able to remove the non-contact jersey for the first time in practice a couple of days ago. The real impressive part about the Penguins is that they were able to hang in this year. It's not just without Malkin. It's not just, you know, missing some other players when they were decimated Crosby in the beginning, then he had COVID. Um, It's not just that. It's that even when Sidney Crosby came back, he wasn't really himself. And it's taken him this last stretch of games. You know, you look at Crosby and what he's done. I know that he went, Uh, pointless on Sunday night, but he's got 16 in his last 11 games. He's looked like the Sidney Crosby of old, uh, a bunch of uh, three-point games and two-point games in that stretch. And that's that's sort of been really what's most impressive to me with that group is that they've been able to hang tough. It's been different guys. um, You know, they're, they're hanging right in there in the Metro, 10 points clear of Columbus. Um, with only, you know, two games, uh, Columbus having two games in hand. So Pittsburgh's been darn impressive pretty much the entire season to this point. They had a little bit of a lull after that hot start and seven in a row. Now they're cruising right along. Well, the one thing, Frank, maybe, you know, we haven't really talked about is in the Eastern conference, there's a massive separation in the top seven teams. You know, Detroit's currently holding down the the last wild card spot with 33. They're six behind Pittsburgh, and they've played one more game than mm-hmm. the Penguins. And then you go three points to get to Boston. Now Boston's played only 26 games. Right, so that, they've got five games in hand on Detroit. Yeah. But it looks I, like that's why I always look at points percentage. Yeah, Boston and by points percentage holds down that second wild card. Yeah, but my point is there's there's not the race that I think a lot of us w- were expecting. Like it's, there's been a bigger separation early than we thought. And that's because the Islanders have really tanked. Philadelphia is not as good. You know, even Boston. Now I know that their winning percentage puts them ahead of Detroit, but it still puts them, you know, significantly. They're at 577 and uh, Pittsburgh's at 650, right? And Pittsburgh's the second wildcard team. So it's the separation in the East. I'll be honest. It's it's surprising to me how, how many haves and have nots we have through 30 games. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I think when you look at it, what's also surprising is the playoff pace to get that last spot. It, it's it, Boston is right there right now. They're on a 94 point pace. It's, it's a tad down. I could see it, it being even lower than that. And what I'm saying is the bar or threshold to get in for that final playoff spot might only end up being 90 or 91 points, which would be uh, a low that we've seen in the last, I'd say in the salary cap era, it's usually generally been in that 94, 95 point pace. And that certainly seems like where it's, it's trending a bit lower this year. And I guess the story is like, you've got your eight playoff teams or maybe really your seven playoff teams and then everyone else. And it's a jumbled mess. And I would say the bright spot is if your team isn't in a playoff spot and, and let's say you're not, uh, Ottawa or Montreal, if you're the New York Islanders, you're saying, okay, I I know they've still, you know, they're still struggling, can't get out of the mess that they're in. Uh, They're lost to the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, while ahead uh, this weekend. It's ugly on Long Island, but you're looking at, at their season, you're going, okay, all we need to get to maybe is 90 or 91 points. Like we just need an extended hot streak. And we're right back in the mix. It's opened the door for some of the teams that are at the bottom. Yeah, maybe. But man, they would have to have an they'd have to have a St. Louis Blues 2019 streak, which but that team is probably actually if any of the teams is actually capable. Yeah, I just don't think they can score, man. And their power plays meh. And it's not been good for a long time. Like I just Matty Barzell doesn't seem to be like a guy. Who, who's a lead on the power play. He's a little bit too jittery. I know that sounds like an odd thing to say, but watch him on the power play. Like it's their power play. You know, he should have the skill to do it, but he, you got to con like the power play is like a much slower pace to go. And I remember talking to some guys early in their career. Like it's not just, Hey, if you're a great five on five guy, you're going to dominate on the power play. And they just, their power play. If you don't have good special teams, Frank, it's really like, you got to be an elite five on five team. And right now they're not that. And so it's hard to win. Who do you think has the inside track to that eighth spot? I mean, I, I guess you would for say Boston. Boston right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, Like, I'll give Detroit credit. Detroit's uh, hung around. They've been better than I thought. But Boston you know, is has Boston. not been very impressive. No, no, not at all. And Philadelphia. I didn't... By the way, speaking of Boston, I, I had heard this over the weekend, and I didn't recognize that that was the case. I believe Don Sweeney is in the last year of his contract there. Interesting. Yeah, well, you could. And it certainly seems like there's been a lot of friction, not just with Jake DeBrusque, but a lot of players with Bruce Cassidy. Yes. Yeah, I I would think that I would be surprised, Frank, if Cassidy's a head coach again next year in Boston. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the hot seat this season. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've heard rumblings like that for a while. You know, coaches who who coach like that, that can be very good coaches, but at Time, it will start to wear on some guys and it's been, a, he's been there a long time too. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's different. Like you look, even a guy like Paul Maurice, who, who is as highly respected, even he feels that, well, the reason he left Winnipeg was they just needed a new voice and he'd been there nine years and it was time for a change. And he's not a guy who he's not soft on players, but he's not like a grading personality. And that's not a negative. Every coach is a little bit different. And I think Cassie's a little bit more of a, of, of a, you know, grind on coat on players type of coach. And so uh, he has success with it, but eventually that will wear thin on guys just over a matter of time. And I think that maybe it's getting close to running its course. We, we should talk about Paul Maurice. That was, um, that was quite a press conference and quite an explanation for his decision to step down. And I, 
I know not everyone has bought it um, in terms of his, you know, was it really his decision where the jets going to fire him and they're on such good terms and have such a good relationship that maybe they, this was a, a face saving mechanism. I, I don't know that I don't believe that to be the case. Um, I, I think Paul Maurice is as genuine as they get. And you mentioned, you know, the style of coaching and he actually mentioned it in his press conference. It's picking your spots, knowing when to, beat up on a guy a little bit, when to be critical, knowing when to pull back, knowing when to, you know, build a guy up. And that's, it's difficult. Um, and I have so much respect for the job that he did in Winnipeg. He, he really, with all due respect to Kevin Sheveldayoff and the players there, he put that team on the map and Winnipeg for the longest time was a laughing stock. You know, you think back to, when they first got there, they were, they were basically the Atlanta Thrashers 2.0. And in this case, you know, they're, they're now one of the, you could make the argument, top 10 teams, top 10 teams going in terms of uh, competitiveness in the last number of years and where they're heading. And, you know, as much as Winnipeg is a difficult outpost to, to maybe live in, it's not everyone's number one choice. I think everyone that's gone there, the passion that exists there in that community, the way he treated that, franchise on the way out, you know, really being a steward for what is a community asset is, is really impressive in my book. Oh, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Uh, and it's rare that you can go out in a situation like that. You just don't have many coaches and, and, and because you're, you're highly competitive and you feel like you can fix it. That's, that's how coaches are wired as they should be. And, and I think Maurice has tried for a long time and, and, I think Winnipeg is slightly underachieving right now. So that plays a part in his decision. I think no question. He feels that, you know what, like these guys should be better and and maybe it's me. And and that takes a lot of self-awareness to want to do that. And the big question to me, Frank, is like I looked at Paul's resume. He hasn't had a year off in coaching, man, in like 25 years outside of the lockout year. Because when he did get fired once, he went and coached a year in the American League. Then he went and coached a year in the KHL. Like, this guy is a career coach who's mm -hmm. never had time off. I wonder, does he want a full season off? Is, is he somebody who will just take the rest of this year off? Because I'll tell you that come summertime, I think there'll be a lot of teams who would be looking to say, hey, I'll call Paul Maurice. And if you're Paul Maurice... I think he would be somebody, Frank, that's going to go to a team that's one of those teams that's considered a top eight team. Right. Where, knocking on the door where he can maybe put them over the top. 100%. Right. Like you look, I know Florida's names come up because they don't have a, they have an interim coach. And um, Dave Tippett and Edmonton's contract is done at the end of the season. Now, I know it's going to be a, a mutual conversation, him and Ken Holland. Dave Tippett was the one who said, hey, I don't want a contract extension because he wants to see where he's at in his life. He has a lot of success in real estate. I think if the team, if they don't win a playoff round, then I think it's going to be a mutual party. If they win, then it's going to be Dave's choice to see if he wants to come back. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Uh, I mean, yeah, with Paul Maurice, you could tell just comfortable in his own skin. He's like, I don't have a game to coach tonight and I don't have to coach another game in my life. That wasn't the case for a long time. You know, you see the extension that he got at a certain point in Winnipeg, life-changing amount of money. And, um, you know, just, it's going to be when the situation is right again. I have no doubt that he'll eventually be back. He's still a relatively young guy. When you think about how many games he's coached, how long he's been in the NHL, he's only 54. Yeah, he's coached 1,700 NHL games in just the regular season. 
Well, he's been around a long time. Uh, by the way, first ever guest on the DFO rundown, Paul Maurice. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be back at a certain point and, and recharged. But I think a lot of people have gone through this pandemic and have been like, what am I doing with my career here? What's going on? Oh, 100%. I remember when we had Paul on the show and, and he talked about how young he was and how when he got his first coaching gig, he's like, you know, was I ready? Probably not. But I, I learned from it away I went. And he started so young in his 20s as an NHL head coach that now he's 54. And that, that's considered young by a lot of, you know, guys are coaching in their 60s, for goodness sake. So I don't I don't think this is the last we've seen of Paul Maurice. But I think he'll like if he doesn't coach again until next October, let's say, or slash September, you know, that's a pretty long break for a guy. And I could see how that would recharge his batteries and be good for him mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is also good for the Jets, too. You know, they pick up their first win under Dave Lowry over the weekend. Maybe it's not all that different of a message, but a new voice delivering it. Everyone snaps to attention a little bit. Their details are a little bit more crisp. Everything is uh, just looks and feels a little bit different after being used to getting it uh, in, in one, one manner, the message being delivered in one manner for so long. Yeah. And uh, the Jets currently sitting on the outside looking in. They got the they're in the third spot of the wild card uh, points percentage at 550, which puts them below Edmonton at 621 and St. Louis at 629. So they're they're not way out of it, but they, no. they got to start. Kevin Shovel Day off. I think he, he said it so perfectly. He said this team can either be one of the top teams in the league and a contender or they can be fighting to get in the playoffs and be on the outside. It's up to them. So I think this also puts the focus squarely on the players. This, this roster, when I look at it, I don't see very many holes. They've got the offensive firepower. They finally got the depth in the blue line. They have one of the best goalies in the league. No excuses at this point. Yeah. I looked up the jets, Frank, and to me, um, the biggest surprise is their offense is lagging. It's middle of the pack that they've got more skill in their top six. They should be better than the 16th goals per game team in the national hockey league. They're just, yeah, but I, you, so you look at it that way. I look at it the other way and I say, okay, Mark Shifley is fifth on the team in scoring. Blake Wheeler is seventh. At some point, those guys are going to figure it out, right? Yep. These, these are guys that had finished seasons before in the NHL, both inside the top 10 league wide. And they're fifth and seventh on their own team right now. I look at that as an opportunity and a, and, and a, a path forward, a path up for the Jets. It's not like they're maxing out and saying, you know, what more can we get? Where are these goals going to come from? They, they have, pardon the pun, the jet fuel in the tank to, to really get there. Well, to me, they remind me of Vancouver when they made the coaching change. I said the reason I thought Vancouver would be better than Philly is because Vancouver's best players weren't playing up to their capabilities. And once they start playing kind of to the level you'd expect, your team's going to get better. In Philly, they didn't have a lot of guys who were who were their best players who were terrible that you're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, automatically they're all going to improve. They were just, you know, all being meh. So I, I look at they were losing even though their top scorers were basically supposed to be their top scorers. And Winnipeg, you're right. Shifley and Wheeler, if they get going, that should get their offense out of 16th overall in the league. No question. Mm -hmm. And when Connor Hellebuck has continued to play as well as he has, well, I don't know. I don't see any limitations there. Well, hey, the, the Jets, when they're in a playoff series, when you have a goalie like that, uh, Edmonton learned it last year. The uh, the goalie can win you a series at times. So that all you got to do is get in when you have an elite goaltender. I'm a big believer in that, that it, it'll uh, it'll give you a, an open opportunity every time. Uh, let's uh, welcome in Tyler Uremchuk on a lovely uh, Monday morning. Ty, how you doing? 
Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. It's a lovely, chilly Monday morning out here in Edmonton. Christmas week as well. And, uh, you know, it's Christmas week. This one, everyone mails it in. I came up with these fill-in-the-blank questions like four minutes ago. Um, But if you want to mail it in cooking-wise, our friends at DoorDash are there to help you out. You can use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Frank, you were contesting my everyone mails it in on Christmas week. Yeah, we got a couple more shows to do this week, bud. Again, I'm just going to mail it in. That's the way I do it. Um, All right, Frank, I had a question for you, actually, before we start with all the games getting postponed and the schedule kind of getting pushed back. Could they change the trade deadline? Uh, They they could, but I doubt they would. It it goes based on percentage of games played. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe they would, but it would depend on how many are rescheduled for before then and what the Olympic break ends up looking like. Yeah. Okay. That was just something that popped into my head. Anyways, back to some other current events. Uh, Brett Connolly given a four game suspension. This the four game suspension of Brett Connolly was blank. Jason. Oh man! Like I watched that hit, and it's awful. The result. It's almost like Connolly tried to slow up and and didn't. Like I thought, four games was pretty harsh for a guy who was clearly right away. Like he even tried. I felt it to. to slow up a little bit. So I, I think this is a suspension that's based solely on the end result, not on the hit itself. Well earned is my answer. I mean, watch the NHL's explanation. He didn't need to touch him at all. I know that he's gliding that way and the puck sails past Tanner Kiro, but come on, how many times do we see, a linesman or a referee sidestep a puck or, or what, you know, you find a way to miss it, find a way to miss the player sidestep him. You're a professional hockey player. You can do it. Trust me. Yeah. I, I, for me, it was, it was a suspension, a suspension as soon as you saw the fact that the puck was going along the glass and Connolly still running him over. Uh, the second one I got for you, I was originally going to ask you guys if the Arizona coyotes were going to still come in last place. I'm pretty sure they are. So the question is the team that will finish right behind the, or the Arizona coyotes in the NHL standings this season or right in front of them, I suppose you could say is blank, Frank, the Seattle Kraken. Ooh. Um, I don't know that it's that big of a stretch, but someone had made the joke the other day to me and I thought it was funny. So I'll pass it along that the Seattle Kraken are right where they belong at the bottom of the Pacific. (laughs) And if you watched uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'll give you a little bum bump. Uh, I'm taking the other team that's still in the uh, points percentage of the 200s, the uh, Montreal Canadiens. I don't uh, I don't see. I don't see how the Habs are, are going to move forward that much. I think Montreal is uh, destined to uh, to potentially pick second, seeing how the lottery balls go. World Juniors week. We're going to be previewing a little bit on our daily live show with uh, Chris Peters. I'm sure we'll have a ton of great content over at Daily Faceoff as well. Frank, you've covered a handful of them. Jason, obviously, you've seen them all. Your favorite World Juniors moment or memory is blank. Anyone got one right off the top of their head? It's odd the things you remember from World Juniors. I'm going to say the Hey Baby World Juniors in Buffalo. That was a thing. You remembered it by the goal song. Uh, Canada ends up winning. Uh, Lots of fans cross the border. Full house at the Sabres Arena. I'm going to say the Hey Baby World Juniors. Uh, I still remember the Jonathan Taves-Mueller battle in the shootout. That was oh, yeah. unreal. Uh, Jonathan Taves just kept scoring. And Mueller was going back and forth. That was uh, that was pretty exciting to watch. I'm surprised you didn't say the Everly goal. 
Uh, yeah, they, yeah, the Everly goal was good, but I just that shootout was, you know, just kept going. And I kind of like the rules how the same guy could keep going. So it's just something you don't see. And he just kept uh, piling on. I'm, I hope something like that happens. I'm calling the games for Canada this year. So I'm yeah. uh, looking forward to all that. The U.S.-Canada game that went to overtime, the gold medal game in Montreal was pretty awesome, too. That was a good one. Was that the John Carlson winner? No, that was... That was uh, Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, Thomas Shabbat played... Uh, Thomas Shabbat played like 38 minutes in that game, which is amazing and, and a perfect segue for Thomas Shabbat on Saturday night in Philly setting uh, the new high water mark in terms of minutes this year in the NHL, 35-something in a 61-minute game, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I obviously have a lot because I kind of grew up right when it got super popular, right? Like my first ever world junior memory was that shootout with Jonathan Taves in Canada going on their run of golds. But the one that always sticks out to me was when they were in Edmonton in 2012 and Peter Morazic was just going nuts. Do you remember that? He was he almost scored a goal and the crowd was like chanting his name. He was playing unbelievable. I just remember how cool it was to watch Peter Mrazek go crazy. Um, last one I got for you. It's the points bet bonus question. If you head over to points bet right now, they still have odds up on all the major trophies in the NHL and uh, the Calder trophy. The race has gotten pretty interesting there. Uh, basically a pick them at the top between Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegras. You got Raymond at plus 200 as the favorite Zegras right behind him at plus 225. If you had to put a bet down on one of those two to win the Calder. Who would you put it on, Frank? Mm, well, I wouldn't bet on either one of those two. You'd go lower down. Yeah, I would go longer odds. Uh, I think it's pretty wide open still at this point. Um, you know, when you look at Mars Sider and the impact he's had, the minutes he's played on the Red Wings blue line, his point total isn't all that far back from Lucas Raymond. Um, I think he's a, a pretty strong candidate. And you know, if you could just get Anton Lindell to score a little bit more, the amount of time he spent starting in his own end uh, and working towards the other end, the consummate defensive forward and center for the Florida Panthers, uh, I think he'd be a strong candidate as well. Obviously, Zegris and, and Raymond are at the top of the list for a reason. Zegris and his creativity is going to earn him probably a few more votes uh, from the voters, I would bet. I'll stay with my preseason pick, which was Zegris. So I would, uh, I would just double down on it right now. I think uh, he, he's coming on flex. as the season. He's coming on as the season goes, man. It's rare to get one right. When you get one right, you got to yeah. talk about it. So let yeah, me flex for everyone. Zegris. Yeah. Uh, Frank, just uh, to wrap it up, Moritz Sider, third on the list at five to one. And all the way down at 15th is Anton Lindell at 35 to one. So some value maybe on a guy like Anton Lindell. That's going to do it for another edition of Fill in the Blank brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Speaking of most memorable world juniors, how about personal story time for me? The least memorable world juniors. The first one I ever covered, 2008. Hard to beat, say. I was 19 years old and I had never left, uh, never been to Europe before. I was in Hard to beat, say, Czech Republic, and I was scared to death. I, I, I was just homesick. I'd never, I'd never been to Europe. I was traveling alone. I was working for the first time. I go to this tournament and I was like, I was just, I was terrified. I like, I was, I needed like, I needed someone to hold me. Like, I was so scared. Um, and it was, an, it was just an odd time. I don't know. It, you know, one of those things you remember of really your first work trip that went a little bit sideways. 
Well, the other most memorable one to me is 1987, the punch up at Piastani when yeah. Canada and Russia started brawling and they before my time. The uh, the organizers of the event, Frank, elected that the best option here to get the guys to stop fighting on the ice was to try to shut all the lights off in the arena. Like one of the most ridiculous decisions when you think about it in hindsight. Like it didn't stop the guys right away at all. I've, I've talked to so many players who are on the ice there. Now they're just like, you're basically just throwing punches in the dark. Like eventually your eyes would adjust to it, but it was a, it was a crazy time. You don't see brawls like that very often. And it was, uh, that was an interesting one of the hey to 87. You know, of course that was the, uh, the Canada cup, which, uh, you know, we, we, we haven't even really talked about it, Frank, but it seems more and more likely, but we're not going to have an Olympics uh, with the NHL anyway, this year. And I, and I do wonder if they possibly then uh, get back to a, you know, a world cup or, or something, because I think, I think the players want it. I definitely know the fans want it. There's obviously a huge sponsorship opportunity because if, if you don't have one now, you know, the Olympics aren't happening again for another four years. So we'll see where it goes from here. And there's lots of players that won't be around in four years, right? Yeah, to, to it's, play on that it, team again. It's really a shame for the best players in the world to not have a best on best opportunity to play each other right now. I mean, yeah. you think back to Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, like the closest they've ever got was Team North America back in 2016. It's been a long time. Uh, that was the last last best on best tournament, and. Man, um, I also feel for some other players like a Steven Stamkos, who's never gotten the real opportunity to, to play in the Olympics. You know, uh, 2010, one of the last cuts as a young guy, 2014 comes around, uh, he gets hurt. 2018, the NHL players don't go. Now you get to 2022, super motivated to have this awesome season. He's in the top 10 in scoring, having a fantastic year, a big bounce back year now that he's fully healthy and all of a sudden, now it looks like almost for certainty that NHL players aren't going and man, it's tough to swallow for someone like him. Oh yeah. I can imagine it would be very, very difficult. And so I do think a, a world cup is coming. Uh, I'll be curious what kind of makeup. I don't know if they'll have a young stars game again or not, but uh, some international hockey notes before we go, Frank, uh, the Czech Republic will no longer be called the Czech Republic. So those people are going to watch uh, the, the upcoming world juniors um, it'll, it'll either be go by, they want to be known as Czechia or the plural, which will be Czechs. And a lot of people have called them the Czechs for a long time. So, uh, expect that coming in also the Spengler cup, which, a uh, unique tournament, kind of a smaller one. Canada is not going on uh, Also, I don't think, uh, the Sweden team is going to go either. So there's going to be some late changes there. So we're seeing, it's not only the NHL, it's seen some, uh, some cancellations of games and seeing the teams having to reduce their travel. It's going to happen at the, at the Spengler cup. And then the, the one change, the, uh, the world juniors and basically the world junior players, Frank, right now, uh, they're in uh, Edmonton and Red Deer in their hotels. Essentially they've, they've delayed their preseason games. They were supposed to have one last night. Uh, Canada was taken on, I think it was going to be, uh, Maybe it was, I can't remember who it was, USA or Sweden, but that game is postponed. They don't play until the 23rd. They're kind of in their own little bubble for now so they can get there and hopefully not have any positive tests when the tournament starts. Yeah, and let's just hope there's fans there at the World Juniors in Edmonton. We all think that's going to be the case, but it would really it would really bite for, for Alberta and, and Edmonton specifically having the tournament come back a second year just for the purpose of having fans this time around and then to have it pulled out the, the rug from underneath your feet at the last moment, that would be tough. Uh, actually, I wanted to bring Tyler back in for one second. I just had a question about the Olympics and the odds. I was wondering if there might be a unique opportunity at the moment 
to bet on one of the non-superpower hockey countries knowing, you know, get Olympic odds for this moment, you know, bet on team Finland, for, for instance, right now, who might be a long shot with NHLers going, but might really be one of the favorites for when NHL players end up pulling out. Would that be possible? Yeah, I'm actually clicking around right now to see what I can get. Cause I had that thought kind of a couple of weeks ago and now I'm really kicking myself for not taking advantage of it. I was sitting there going, you know, Russia is not the favorite. Obviously Canada was at that point. And uh, I, I just kind of thought, you and know, they'd you be could... closely followed by the U S they would have yeah. been, I imagine. And I was thinking you should just be jumping all over Russia to win this thing. Right. Um, because once NHLers are gone and it's just the KHL players, you would imagine just like in 2018, they have a good chance. I'm, I'm searching around right now. There's odds up on the world championships for 2022. Yeah. I saw that too. Yesterday I was poking around and I was like, I wonder if there's a, anyway, just, so I would imagine a lot of books have honestly pulled them out now with the news that the NHLers likely aren't going. Um, but when they come back, I would imagine it's yeah. Russia, Finland kind of being right up there near the top. Mm -hmm. Well, is it true that Ovi has an out in his contract that he can go to the Olympics? I, I've never heard that. Yeah. I mean, because I see that floated around. I'm like, really? I don't even know if that was legal or not. Any any player would have, if they got the blessing from their owner, they would have the opportunity to yeah. do it if they wanted to. Yeah. But do you think that's realistic? No. 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 Not, not in the middle of a pandemic. No. If these were n normal times, I'd say maybe, but yes. Yeah. I don't think so either. I think, but uh, you know, the European teams and, um, you know, we'll see. Hey, I tell you right now, for, for American players and Canadian players, who aren't NHL guys who are going to play for those two countries. This is a massive opportunity, man. Like this is, yep. do not underestimate how many guys want to go represent their country at the Olympics. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's why the NHLers want to go Frank. And so, you, you know, you, this just goes back to, I especially, I know in the U S one of the greatest hockey moments ever, of course, right. 1980. And uh, this, you, you had a bunch of guys and they were going up against the big Russian team. And I know that the Russians won't have their best players either, but they got guys from the KHL who will all be going. Um, I, I'll be curious to see how Canada and U.S. specifically fill out the rosters of, of guys who, who, who are just going there to chase the dream one final time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can tell you all these federations right now are scrambling to try and get these teams together because it's, yes. It is a massive undertaking, not just to pick the team, but to get everyone there and to get everyone accredited, travel, all those things that go into getting everyone into China. Man, I just I, I go back to thinking about the Olympics, like how unfortunate it is that this year happened to be in Beijing. Like, yeah. had there been the pandemic going on, but it was. I don't know. They're playing these Olympic Games in Norway or they're playing these Olympic Games in Canada, like NHL players would still probably find a way to go. I think there's a deep distrust that exists, you know, also at the league level between, yeah. you know, sending your players over to this country that has ultimate authority and control on who gets in and who gets out. Yeah. I, I think that's totally valid concern for sure. So Frank, uh, I hope uh, you and yours have a wonderful uh, Christmas. I know we are taking uh, Friday off uh, this coming week. We might play a little uh, a rewind of, of a previous interview earlier on. Maybe Paul Maurice uh, go back in time to Paul. He had some really good uh, uh, input then. And then uh, we will talk uh, next Monday. So uh, all the best to you and yours and have a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. Looking forward to it and enjoy the Christmas while your kids are still young, everyone out there, because 
it goes fast. Yeah. And to everyone who's listened to the pod, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're glad that you keep coming back and clicking on it and telling your friends. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, we love all the questions. Feel free to keep sending them to us on Twitter. Uh, for Jason Greger and Frank Valley and Talia Remchuk, Merry Christmas from the DFO Rundown. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Valley and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.